0: And welcome in to hour number three, Darren Donick and Chase. We now have visual evidence, Chase McCabe, of Darren McFarland post surgery, yes.
1: giving the thumbs up, heavily medicated. <laughs> Who does he think he is? I like got injured on the on the football field. He's getting carted off, and he's thumbs up like he's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of one of those. I'd like to see he, two thumbs up like he's paying me off for the South Carolina quarterback. Bet that he still he, owes me. He's sending selfies. Uh, his
2: his wife Lauren sent a picture. There you go, Mitch. That you know he is he is out of surgery. He's doing well. He looks fantastic, <laughs> spectacular. Physical, he lo- physical he, specimen. Hey, he looks like he feels
0: great right yeah. now. <laughs> so, well, uh, Mitch, let's start uh, with this. Uh, Mitch Mitch Light, of course, Athlon Sports, college football editor, also does the sideline for Vanderbilt football. We're going to talk to uh, Derek Mason next hour, but. I know there is a lot of concern right now. We a week ago discussed they got the win against Northern Illinois, but there was a lot of question marks as to how that would translate when they got back into league play against not an upper tier team. Ole Miss. We illustrated how important that game was going to be. Both to lose the game was one thing, but the way they lost to not really do the anything that
1: they are designed to do. Stuff like what's the what's the feeling right now? It could not have been good. Yeah. My, my term would be alarmingly uncompetitive yeah. in that game. And, you know, to be fair, it was 10-6 at the half, and Vanderbilt recovered from a slow start. And I talked about this in the air Saturday. For whatever reason, if you guys could think back to previous Vanderbilt wins over Ole Miss, Ole Miss would go right down the field the first two possessions and score. I think Shea Patterson three years ago looked like he was going to put up 60, went down. I think there was 10 nothing or 14 nothing Last year in Nashville, Jordan Tamu, and that offense went right down. It was 10 nothing. I think. So it was a similar feeling there. Ole Miss gets two easy scores, and then the Vanderbilt defense kind of settles in. I actually thought, and this is not to try and put a positive spin, just usually when you give up that many yards rushing, especially when you're playing a big team like a Georgia, it's like 10 yards, 15 yards, 10 yards, 12 yards. They're just destroying you like that. Ole Miss is more like zero yards, three yards, 30 yards, 70 yards. It was Vanderbilt's defense won, quote-unquote, won a lot of defensive downs, but then they just could not stop the big play, and a lot of those big plays – Vanderbilt seemingly had a guy in position, and to me, that's been the theme of the season: is guys taking bad angles in the secondary, missing tackles at the line of scrimmage. Um, to me, I, I was more concerned about the offense. Um, I, you know, just continue to not threaten the the, uh, the oppo- opposing team downfield. All the passes are short, and trying to like get a guy like Kalajdze Lipscomb to make a guy miss or something like that. Jaron Pickney not involved again. Ole Miss. Heading into that game, had very good run stats, so I was not surprised that they kind of bottled up Keyshawn Vaughn. But their passing stats had been horrible. A team like Cal, who's not a very good offensive team, threw for like 350 against them. Against them, and it just felt like Vanderbilt just was not threatening them down the field at all. Um, so, so that was that was a concern. So, yeah, it was a disappointing performance all, all around. You know, got off to a, a slow start. You know, I, I'm sure you were here. I don't know how much of the game you saw, and I think it might have been after Ole Miss's first score. Vanderbilt calls for fair catch on a kickoff, so they would have got the ball to 25, but Justice Shelton Mosley drops it and has to scramble to pick it up, so the ball's at the 7. And then there's a penalty, and they get backed up. Ole Miss misses an early field goal, but Vanderbilt had too many men on the field, so ball moves up five yards, and they make the field goal. When you're on the road and you're, you're, you're struggling like that, you have to be perfect, and you're, you're, your margin for error is so slim. Now, they only did have three penalties, and that's something that had been plaguing them earlier, but that one penalty cost them three points.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we we knew this would be the case. The loser of this game's outlook doesn't look good. Looks kind of grim.
1: So where do they go from here? Good question. I mean, they play UNLV this week. They're a sixteen point favorite. UNLV is not a very good team. You, you would hope yeah. you would expect them to win that game, but that doesn't really solve any issues, you know. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, I think when you go back to work and you and you have to you have to start somewhere. Yes. Right. I'm inter- interested to see what happens at the quarterback position. Derek Mason's, I think press conference is actually going on right now. I think I heard a snippet from a radio interview, It might have been on this station earlier today or, or somewhere else, where he hinted that, you know, they trust both quarterbacks. They have to figure out wh- what's the best going forward. That's that's a different tune than they've had so far. When it's been Riley Neal's been the starter, even yeah. some games when Deuce Wallace has come in. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if a quarterback switch is the answer. Deuce Wallace hasn't been any better or worse when he's gone in but he hasn't definitely hasn't the offense hasn't received a jolt with him in there um so I, I don't know what the answer the the hope willie is if you're looking for improvements down the road is that the offensive line gets better as it's you know the, those same five guys play together but they made a switch on saturday grant miller who'd been the starter for the first four games was replaced i think after the second series by sean mcmore and now mcmore is listed on top of the depth chart there uh, so maybe there 's a blocking issue the the snaps seem to be okay, so i, I don 't know where you go from here, Willie, because some of the games that you' looked at as winnable or as toss ups if you play like that they 're not winnable right now so let 's let 's now
0: switch our attention to Tennessee with with their performance against Georgia, where you know they when you say alarmingly uncompetitive for Vanderbilt, the opposite is the case right so you 're trying to sort of gauge if you 're Tennessee, what does it mean? That They hung around. They, were, they, they, they fought. They gave themselves a chance. They stayed in the game for, for quite some time against a really tough Georgia team.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know if you guys remember, but leading up to the Vanderbilt-Georgia game, I often re- I referenced the Vanderbilt-Georgia game from last year where Vanderbilt played really well in the first half, but it just shows you how good you have to be to stay with a good team because Vanderbilt played a good half of football at Georgia last year. It was down 21-6. to 6. I thought I had the same feeling after rewatching and following this game that Tennessee played a really good half of football, but they still found themselves down 26 to 14 because you make a right. few mistakes late. Huge. And, yeah, and then, and then Georgia's up, to, you know. What's the feeling there? Again, you played maybe your best half of football for the season, and you're down 12 points at home. You have to be perfect to beat a team like no, Georgia. It I, illustrates
0: what they're up against. Right. So,
1: big picture, knowing what all of us know about the history of this program, it's kind of alarming that we're you're so optimistic about being down twenty six to fourteen <laughs> home, but in the scope of what's going on with this team this year it's definitely a positive step in the right direction and and you know is Mauer the right answer at quarterback you know he he looked good in the first half uh but then they as a team they kind of got overwhelmed in the second half, so you know it beats the alternative of being down twenty one nothing and you know we've seen some of jeremy Pruitt's teams you know the 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 margin of victory was you know great thirty nine points but um I, I guess it's a step in the right direction, but you know Mississippi State coming in this week, I think the spread's a little high. Actually, yeah. I, I give Tennessee a really good chance in, in that game. I don't think that Mississippi State team is too strong. This is a huge, huge, huge game for Jeremy Pruitt. Yep. They cannot take a step back and look bad and make some of the mistakes. You would think that the quarterback switch, although I guess he hasn't really announced who's starting this week. You'd expect it to be Maurer. Got to be. Right? Yeah. You, you would hope that he would have given them a, a, a jolt on offense, but uh, it, they, they need to play well this week. The thing for
2: me, Mitch, is if they had played like they did in the first half to start the season against Georgia State in BYU, this thing looks completely different right now because that was a competitive team. Even though Georgia pulls away and Georgia shows that they are the
1: much better team. And, but that's – I, I understand – agree with you, You Chase, know where I'm going. and, and but that's also to... a sign of a – a well-coached, mature team that doesn't need losses to Georgia State and BYU right. to play like this. Like they should have been ready to play in Week One like right. this. Right, and that's that's the problem. Yeah. Now,
2: if he can correct it, and he's showing signs that it is being corrected, then okay. Then, sure. Then you know, if you get a win against Mississippi State or a win against South Carolina, you know, come out and at least just show signs of life against Alabama, like you did against Georgia. Then it's then you go and you evaluate and you say, all right, well they're getting better because that's what you expect out of a team.
1: With a, with a coach in year two after you make a quarterback change. But don't, they have to put it all together. And don't limp to the finish line like exactly. they did last year when they needed one win to be ball eligible and they got blown out by Missouri and Vanderbilt. Mississippi State, uh, that's, that's a key part of this equation here. It,
0: it reminds me a little bit of what we were talking about going into the Vanderbilt Ole Miss game, where Mississippi State, from their perspective, is probably sitting there going, we have got to have this one. We, we play in the SEC West, there's no cupcakes I mean, this is this is our opportunity to grab a conference win. We have to have it,
1: right? Yeah, and Mississippi State and Tennessee don't play a lot because they're in different yeah. divisions. And over the course of history, you know, Mississippi State as a program has to look and say, "There's not many times where we're going to Knoxville and we have the supposed better team, and we're a seven-point favorite." They need to take advantage because they're three and two right now. Still have to play LSU at Texas A&M, Alabama. You know, Ole Miss, they still have Abilene Christian. So they're probably going to get bowl eligible, but do they want a six and six season? Yeah, I mean, just stay on pace for where they have the bar set, right? Right. right. But I don't have a ton of faith in this team right now. Um, You know, last time we saw them two weeks ago, they they weren't competitive in a home loss to Auburn. They've had quarterback issues. The defense predictably has regressed. You just don't lose that type of, you know, unless you're Clemson or Alabama, you don't lose that type of star power on defense and not take a step back. To me, it's the second year under Joe Moorhead, and they don't look like Joe Moorhead's Penn State teams. Now, they don't have Saquon Barkley or Trace McSorley, but they had you know a pretty good quarterback last year. So, it, you know, you can we sound like a broken record. Oh, this is a big game for this team, this is a big game for this team. But when, when you have these teams that are sort of the middle or the bottom half of the league and they're playing each other, they need to win and they need to play well. We'll take a break. When we come back, Mitch Light will talk more about the
0: SEC. We'll, we'll go around the league. There's some huge games coming up here. Florida got the big win last week, and we'll look ahead to uh, some of the matchups coming up. Stay tuned. We're talking college football for the next couple segments here from Pete and Terry's Tavern. Remember, our first drawing for the tickets, 1245. So if you're coming by here on Demumbrian and the Sobro entrance here, Pete and Terry's Tavern, drop your, your name in. It's lunchtime. we got the great lunch specials here, and we have four pairs of tickets to give away. If you drop your name in, you're eligible for all four drawings. Right here on one oh two five the game. We're coming back. Pete and Terry's Tavern is the place to be. We are thirty minutes away from our first ticket drawing. Grab the lunch
1: special here. Chase, dancing like that, is, uh, that you? Do we
0: get, is that just an added bonus? That's, that's an
1: added, added bonus.
2: bonus if you want to consider that. Uh, I mean, look, I'm...
1: You got more room, but they're not here. You got more room to, to move. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My dance more. skills are not very good. There so. is a little more real estate. That's here. not a shocking development, no, by the way, I, that they're not good. No offense. No. Somebody
2: just. told me, well, I, I figured that because you're pretty white.
0: So, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I
1: dance like a white boy. It
0: is what it is. So, Chase... Uh, talking a little college football here with Mitch Light from Athlon Sports.
2: Yeah uh, so I kind of want to start as we go around the SEC before we get into the actual games because we do this around this time every year and I know we've had the the conversation about Tennessee and and things like that but the hot seat for some of these coaches. One that really pops out for me is Will Muschamp at South Carolina because they're two and three and you know yes they've gotten a couple of wins here and there but Right now, that's a very inconsistent football team, and I just wonder if things continue. Now they have some some games coming up that they like Tennessee are winnable, that they could win, but it's going to, I think, depend on how they play moving forward. If if Will Muschamp is the guy,
1: my prediction is he will be back. In, okay. And I know endorsements don't mean a ton, but Ray Tanner, the AD, who's an old coach who hired him, has has gotten his back. You know, said so publicly many times. I think the fact that Jake Bentley, their senior quarterback, goes down helps him. You know, we we knew this year was going to be a struggle win wise because that schedule is so difficult. That's why that North Carolina game was was so difficult. Um, but I, I just think I, I think he'll be back, barring a collapse. You know, they they won their last game convincingly, twenty four seven over Kentucky. You'd expect them to lose this week at Georgia, and then they get Florida. But after that, Georgia Florida, you know, they can go on a run and win some games there. So um, yeah, I understand the talk. But I think he'll be back.
2: Now, what about a team that Vanderbilt just faced, and and I think a lot of us have looked at that game as being very important for both teams from that aspect. But Matt Luke at Ole Miss,
1: you know, talking to uh, Parish Alford, who's been a who's been on the show over over the years, covers Ole Miss from the uh, paper out of uh, Tupelo. You know, he kind of summed it up that like a large portion of the fan base did not want Matt Luke to get the job to begin yeah. with. Thought you know they were promised a national search didn't happen. You know, everyone knows Matt Luke's story. He comes from an Ole Miss family. No one loves Ole Miss as much as he does, all that stuff. But it's about winning games. And, you know, there's a new AD. Right now it's an interim AD, Keith Carter, a former basketball player. I don't think he would be in the the position to to make decisions. They have a new chancellor, too, very controversial. So there's a leadership issue there for that reason and the fact that they are so painfully young and they just hired two new coordinators. And I don't know what those coordinator contracts are. That's another issue, too. Those coordinators... They hired two of the four, the last three Pac-12 coaches of the year. My guess is they, and I guess I should know this, but they have multi-year contracts. So let's say the coordinators have multi-year contracts. You have new leadership in the university. You got Matt Luke, who played there. I think he'll be back as well.
2: Yeah. Well, really. Okay. That's that's interesting. But it's a good point on the coordinators. And then the the only other one that I really think is just is hot or warm or however you want to put it is uh, Chad Morris at Arkansas. And you know he's in year two. He inherited a mess, but it just—it's not getting any better.
1: Yeah, again, I think—and not to be boring—and say this coach is <laughs> going to be back. It's Everybody's not, back. Yeah, I think he'll be back too. I think two years is just too—you know—too short of not giving him enough chance. Now the athletic director, Hunter Yurechek, who used to work at Vanderbilt, was a former Houston athletic director. Did not hire him, inherited him, uh, but shortly thereafter, and you know, I, again, I just think two years is is, is too short they They played well last time out against uh, Texas A&M in in Arlington, but they've done that repeatedly. So I think he'll be back as well.
2: So I have said this pretty much every week since the college football season started. I have said, you know, Florida keeps winning. I like them, but I just don't know if I completely believe in them yet. Well, they beat Auburn. They did something I didn't think they were going to do because I really like Auburn and it was a fun game to watch, but Florida comes out with the win. Do I need to start thinking that they are for real?
1: I'm not going to tell you how to think, Jason. <laughs> but, you know, that that's that, it, I've talked about this week. To me, remember like five to ten years ago when the SEC was awesome but the quarterback play was average? Yeah. That felt like a, an old-school SEC game yeah. where you just had two um, really good defenses, athletes all over the place, a, mediocre quarterback play. You know, now the quarter, there's good quarterbacks all over the place. I, I, I understand what you're saying, and I kind of agree with you. Like, Florida won a big-time game. But that does they didn't alleviate a lot of concerns I have them with them going forward, like their offensive line. If Michael Pirine doesn't make that big run, which I, I get it, it's part of the game, they're, they're, their offensive stats aren't good. They, they didn't run right. the ball well besides that play, and that was kind of a broken play. Auburn should have made that, that, that tackle there. Um, they turned the ball over a lot in that game. Both teams did. So I give credit for a, just a great home win, but that doesn't change my – opinion of them too much I think they're a a top 10 team but they're not in that tier with I think we all agree there's like those six teams right now that appear to be better than the others I don't think they play one this yeah yeah they play at LSU and then they got Georgia coming up so I I still don't consider them a major threat to Georgia but you know obviously that's a rivalry game in a neutral field but I think that's a fair assessment give them credit for keep winning games but they're not really and I think it's a credit to the program it's a credit to Dan Mullen where that they're that they're so highly ranked and they are where they are in year two with an offensive line that is not SEC championship worthy. So I, t- I take it that you're not surprised that they're almost a two-touchdown underdog at LSU. Yeah, I, I think this is a great spot for LSU coming off of a win, which they did barely broke a sweat, although it was like you know 100 degrees down there at, at LSU. But they beat a Utah State team that's pretty good. They held them with three yards per play. They have played two solid Group of five programs in Georgia Southern, Utah State, and just dominated them, which we have not seen in years past from LSU. So I, th- I think LSU. This is a great spot for them. With Florida coming off banged up, we don't know about Kyle Trask right now. You know that's a, that was an emotional game last week, and then now they go on the road. And that's you know not a bigger topic, and throw UCF into this, but yeah, you know that that's always been my take on UCF, whether or not or Boise State, whether or not they were true, you know. Playoff worthy or top 10 worthy, really good teams, really good rosters. But we're, you know, teams like UCF never have to go to, you know, hosting Auburn, then at LSU the next week. And a lot of people said earlier this year, you know, that after hosting Stanford, they go on the road against Pitt, UCF, and that's maybe why they lost, because they got banged out, you know, bruised two weeks in a row, and then they go play a really good Cincinnati team and they lose. So, so sorry, sorry for the tangent there, but I just think there's not many teams in the country, you know, some Big Ten East teams. But other than that, you know, we, we got to play Auburn at home one week, and then you go to LSU the next week. That's just difficult to do. Yep.
2: But don't you think for LSU and, and look, they they went on the road, they won at Texas. That was obviously a test for them, but that was probably their biggest test to this point, And now they have Florida at home. I, I feel like LSU's schedule hasn't been you know quite that of
1: what Florida has to face
2: or has faced and will face moving forward.
1: Right. Right. Um, fair, but they've also dominated teams, and, and you yeah, know they really have. You, you sometimes you, you have to deal with. The, you know, the schedule you have. in Florida State that one year, uh, 2014 maybe, the ACC wasn't very good, but they just dominated everyone. And when, you, when you're the sort of like Clemson needs to do going forward, if you're not playing great teams, you need to dominate them. And, and it's really, you know, you could point to some defensive, is this as dominant of a defense athletically as LSU's had in the past? Maybe not. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't fault them for their schedule because they're playing so well. So Texas A&M, when they
0: hired – Jimbo Fisher, I, I'm I'm trying to think rationally. Don't think this is talk <laughs> do radio, that. really. Well, I, I know this is also the SEC. Yeah. We do right? SEC it's, fans everything. think And rationally. there is a mentality, I think, sometimes when you say, well, we've paid X amount of dollars. We've paid top dollars, so this should be the result. Realistically, it was going to take some time. But as Texas A&M now hosts Alabama, I just do wonder what the what – the it does not look like they're prepared to beat a team like Alabama and maybe they'll surprise people, but it's an intriguing matchup because if Alabama does what they've been doing to just about everybody, I'm curious what the what the mentality or the state
1: of mind of the Texas A&M people will be. I'm going to put a spin on a, a cliche that you hear a lot. Well, the other team has scholarships too. You know, you'll yeah. hear players say that. In the SEC, it's like, well, the other team has a $4 million coach too. You know, you know uh, Jimbo Fisher's paid a lot of money to win games but he's going against Gus Malzahn, who's a really good coach, and then he's going against, uh, obviously, Nick Saban. So everyone's trying to win big time, and uh, it is only you know year two, and we talked about kind of the mindset of the, the Texas A&M fan base. As you alluded to a couple weeks ago, I do a radio spot there every week, and the the, the, the host there and the people that, that you know he's around, it was like, we've got Jimbo Fisher, we're going to win this game because we've got Jimbo and they've got Gus Malzahn. Well, you know what? He <laughs> got outplayed badly in that game. So they are not – ready right now. They're not running the ball very well. Deshaun Corbin, their top running backs after the year. Isaiah Spiller, their true freshman, came in, has not run the ball well the last few weeks. I don't think they're positioned to take advantage of Alabama's perceived weaknesses, which is, you know, the Ole Miss ran for like 250 yards against them. That's not A&M's game right now. So I, the game is in College Station, but I, I don't see a way where they really slow down Alabama. I expect a big Alabama win. When we come back, we'll hit the national
0: picture and have Mitch go around uh, and, and talk about some of the key matchups coming up stay tuned remember at twelve forty-five, we draw for the first pair of predator tickets as they take on the sharks tonight big one here in smashville you're listening to espn 1025 the game back here on darren donick and chase from pete and terry's tavern come on by and register to win tickets for tonight's predator sharks game we'll get back into some hockey a little bit later in the show also, don't forget Vanderbilt head coach Derek Mason will join us for his weekly chat at one o'clock. His press press conference uh, going on right now as we speak, over on the Vanderbilt campus. Mitch, before we uh, get back into the college football national scene, congratulations to your New
1: York Yankees for being the first team to advance to the LCS. Thank you very much, Will. I know that uh, as the Mets fan you are, I know that comes <laughs> from the heart. I know you really, you know, just feel really happy for those. Small market Yankees, you know, really dealt Small. a tough hand. They, you know, overcome so, so much adversity. Actually, they did this year, all this injuries. So. Oh, they yeah, They did. They did. And, they, and also,
0: you know, you, you assume that every Yankee is making $20 million a year, but they really
1: have a lot of home grown. A yeah, lot This is of not old school. Or, you know, or guys you, that were really smart pickups that were really aren't Hugh, expensive. Right, yeah. yeah. Cameron Maben, who you know, who they—they've got some good players. Who Cameron aren't. Cameron Maben is who, quite the story. Yeah, because I remember him in
2: Atlanta, and then everywhere else he's played.
0: Yeah, but yeah. And playoffs. at one time he was one of the top prospects yeah. in baseball. But Did never, he come up through Detroit? Uh, he was, I think, Florida. I mean, he's been traded a bunch of
1: times. As He's a, played quote, for
2: a lot of teams.
0: <laughs> prospect.
1: Yeah when, yeah. when is the uh, your, your Braves? When is the Walker Bueller, uh, I mean, when's the Walker Bueller the ne- Nationals? Is that tomorrow? I assume. Yeah, game five day, tomorrow. Off day yeah. today. Don't yeah. pay attention to the National League too much. You know, <laughs> yeah. but uh,
2: game game five tomorrow because you know load my, up the bases
1: twice and can't
2: get anything. Out of you. I, I
1: know my timeline is full with Braves and Cardinals fans, just people I know in here. And obviously, it's just <laughs> I just sit back and watch. You know, I'm sure you guys have talked about this, but, but you know, every sport has its own dynamics. But I, I think there's nothing more nerve wracking. Than postseason baseball, oh, just the, the uh. pitch by pitch and the luck involved, hard hit balls versus bloops and stuff like that, and and just it's it's agonizing. First big test
0: coming up uh, for Oklahoma, the Red River Shootout, very intriguing matchup last year in which Texas won in a wild track meet kind of game. Uh, Oklahoma, a double digit favorite, uh, does that surprise you at all?
1: No, and and concentrate to these sta- on these stats because they're they're really. Amazing. Oklahoma is averaging, first in the country in total offense, they're averaging 90 yards per game more than any other team. But break it down. They lead the nation with 7.8 yards per rush, and they also lead the nation with 12.7 yards per passing attempt. So they're the most efficient running team and the most efficient passing team. Now, they haven't gotten into the heart of their conference schedule yet. They played UCLA, who's not good. They played Texas Tech. They have not played the most difficult schedule, but I don't care. Those stats are Mind boggling. Texas has been banged up. They've had some injuries on both sides of the ball. Did not play great last week against West Virginia. So I, I am not surprised, but this sounds like a cliche, but in this series really there's been some weird things happen. Charlie Strong's had some Texas teams that look like they didn't belong in the field with some of Bob Stoop's Oklahoma teams and they've won those games. So I, I think Oklahoma's gonna win. And if they if they win impressively, you know, they win by two touchdowns or something like that, and then, you know, you, you kinda compare what L S U did with Texas we might have to start rethinking Oklahoma because I think everyone puts them in that top six with all those teams, but not many people are really putting them in the top the, the top half of that but if they win comfortably, I think you have to start considering it.
0: I watched Michigan grind it out at home against Iowa 10 three how many college football games do you see and 103 Iowa this week hosts Penn State. Iowa can create that really good home field atmosphere. Uh, I, I'm really curious to see what Penn State brings to the table. Still unbeaten right now.
1: Yeah, Penn State has won its two Big Ten games. Maryland 59 nothing. Purdue 35-7. Now they played a Purdue team that's been banged up all over the place. Real intriguing game. I think I, uh, Penn State's kind of laying low. You know, I think a lot of people who were really high on them kind of step back after that close win over Pitt and kind of changed their opinion. But they've, they've, they've been very good on both sides of the ball. Now they're not as stout defensively, I don't think, uh, as Michigan is up front. Uh, Iowa's had trouble running the ball against good teams. 112 yards against Iowa State. One versus Michigan. A lot of that was with sacks involved there. So I, I think this is a statement game for Penn State. They're going to open, open up a lot of eyes nationally. I think they go on the road and win this game.
0: I, speaking of Michigan, I I was watching their game.
1: By the way, did you, I, I watched a decent amount of that game from a, we were lunch in Oxford? Yeah. yeah. It was one of those games where Iowa, you just had no confidence they were going to score. Like you could have given them yeah. the ball on 10 straight possessions, placed at the 50 with a new set of downs, and never thought they were going to tie that game up.
0: It, it was kind of that way. But I, w- I happened to see some of the pregame coverage, or not pregame, but a halftime coverage, and they had Urban Meyer on the set. He made an interesting point. He said, in this day and age of college football, and you've pointed this out before, you guys do this in your Athlon thing, the explosive plays right, when you guys yes. do the numbers. He said, "You have got to have big plays, and that is what is lacking for Michigan right now. And that's puzzling to a lot of Michigan people. They've got all these recruits, got, on the, and they are receivers. not getting
1: the big plays. They're not getting the easy points. And they, you know, brought in Josh, Josh Gattis to run the high up the up tempo yeah. offense, catch defense off guard, and all that stuff. And it's not happening. You know, the first. And he said in the run game in particular, they're, right. they're just. And he pointed out the stats. He said they had a couple big ones against yeah. Middle Tennessee, but other than that." You, you can't find a 20-plus yard gain in the right. running game. And that, that, that makes so much sense now. The first coach where I really, who said that to me, I remember talking to Bobby Johnson once at Vanderbilt, and he's just like, it's hard to march up and down the field. I don't yeah. care who you are to not make a mistake, to string together four or five first downs. You need big plays, and that's why you look at some defenses that are successful. Like Washington last year, Just to, I remember the stat – they allowed one play over 40 yards last year. Wow, that is amazing! Like the the next best nationally was like five plays over 40 yards. Some of that's you know, Fluke. Can you replicate that year over year? I, I don't know, but that, that's a it's an underrated stat that you that that if you just prevent the big plays and make teams drive the length of the field, you're going to have a lot of success.
0: I was got I got one more, and then Chase, okay. you hit him on a couple, but I, I think there's some people. I, there's not a lot of Memphis fans in our listening area, but here they are, five and zero. Oh. Number twenty-three. They go to Temple, and of all places, Temple. You know they're sitting there at four and one. Memphis, about a touchdown favorite on the road, trying to go six and zero. I, I'm, it, now, now UCF has shown that they're human. They, they've lost a couple of times here. Memphis, all of a sudden, league championship not out of the realm here. Yeah,
1: Cincinnati, obviously very yeah. good too, uh, with some good wins over UCF and UCLA at home. Memphis is very good. Um, I. They beat Navy at home. My feeling in that game was if Malcolm Perry, the Navy quarterback, didn't get hurt, Navy could have won that game on the road. Um, I have some questions about Memphis defensively. They gave up 33 points last week to, to UL Monroe. Temple's good. They've got a good quarterback. Defense has, has been strong. Uh, new coach, uh, Carey, came from northern Illinois. So this is they have a big two-week stretch here. They go at Temple. Then they go Tulane, then at Tulsa, SMU. So the, the, the back half of their schedule is more difficult. I do not see them winning the league. I think, I think Cincinnati is the best team in the league. I think the Memphis-SMU game will be really – that could be for the West and November 2nd at Memphis. Uh, but I know that the folks in Memphis are having some fun. Uh, the columnist at the Commercial Appeal wrote a column this week just saying that, you know, Memphis is the best football program in the state of Tennessee, and it and has been for a while. Kind of hard to argue if you're, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're Tennessee and Vanderbilt right now. Uh, but uh, they, they, that's an, it's been an amazing turnaround, and not to jump around too much. Who's the guy that turned it around? Justin Fuente. I'm stunned. I know Virginia Tech went down to Miami and won, but I'm stunned that Virginia Tech is kind of backsliding because you know, Mike Norvell deserves a lot of credit in Memphis, but you always look to the guy who really turned it around, and Fuente got it going there. It's funny that you bring up Cincinnati because that's exactly
2: where I was going to go and ask you about them. They play Houston. And uh, you, so you think they're going to win the league? I've watched a few of their games because Ryan Porth, our PD, is a big fan. My best friend's a big fan, so I kind of keep up with them. They've been
1: on—they've been on like Thursday night, yeah, Friday night. Yeah, too. they've
2: been on the national stage, and you go out, you know, to the group of five. The the AAC I guess is probably the top of the group of five when it comes to conferences, but they'll call it, they call it the Power Six, the Power Six. Yeah, well, <laughs> but I don't yeah, think anyone agrees with that. Them, <laughs> that, that is like, they can call themselves whatever they want. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I really like the the game that they play.
1: Yeah, I, I do. They got. Um you, you know, Desmond Ritter's a really good quarterback, and Mike Warren, his numbers aren't quite as good this year at, at running back, but they've got a good defense. They've held, you know, they, they lost Ohio State 42 nothing, but they've held every other team to 24 points or less. This is a huge game for them against Houston, obviously, without Derek King, because after that, Tulsa, East Carolina, Connecticut, South Florida, they win this game. They will be undefeated in the league before they play Tem- Temple and then at Memphis late in the year. So they've got some big games late in the year, um, but they have done, you know, they just – and that that's a – Cincinnati is a program because they've been good under multiple coaches. You know, Butch Jones, uh, Mark D'Antonio, I'm missing someone. But, you know, there's some programs like that, they pop up when they get a really good coach and the coach leaves. They... You know they fall they off. Slip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but Cincinnati has they've had their down Tuberville years. Tuberville was there for yeah, a while. Yeah, Tuberville was there and actually didn't do great there. But they, yeah. they, they've been successful under multiple coaches, so that that says a lot about kind of the infrastructure there.
2: Is Luke Fickle going to be one of the hot names that's th- out there? I
1: think he he probably will be, and, and yeah. one of the, one of the coaching sites. You know, there's coaching. Uh, Scoop, one of them had something about where evidently his buyout, you know, he's gettable. He doesn't have a very high buyout there. Yeah. And if you're a Big Ten school, you know, I know some teams have swung and missed on Big Ten coordinators, and it's a, it's a crapshoot. You never know. But I've been really impressed with the way they, they've they turned it around. And uh, I, I wasn't, I was totally wrong on that hire. I thought it was kind of a boring hire. You know, you're in Cincinnati, <laughs> you just hire the Ohio State defensive coordinator. You know, how, how much, you know, more. Typical, can you get than that? but he's been great. He has done a really good job there.
2: There's some interesting games uh, on the 230 slate. We've talked about Alabama A&M, of course, on CBS of the SEC. Florida State, Clemson, not what it used to be. Clemson should win that. But one that does intrigue me out of the Pac-12 is Washington State, Arizona State. Again, I'm infatuated with Herm Edwards. Herm! And Arizona State in the job that they're doing. Four and one on the season, 18th ranked team in the country.
1: Yep, there, there's some, there are some good games. Washington State's already 0-2 in the league. And they still have road games at Arizona State, Oregon, Cal, and Washington. This, to me, is interesting because it's the first game back for Washington State since Mike Leach tore his guys apart, you know, just, you know. In the the PC world we live in now, it wasn't exactly, (laughs) you know, maybe the smartest move, but we'll find out. Uh, But Arizona State, you know, Daniels, the freshman quarterback, is getting better. Uh, Yeah, there's some – Washington, Arizona. We're here, what, in early October – Arizona's 2-0 in the league, and Washington's 1-2 in the league. Who would have thought that? So we're kind of getting to the point in October where everyone's playing conference games, and, and, and so many of these games kind of will, will, will swing how a season's going.
2: And then you've got Michigan State at 4-2, which they're eh, you know kind of struggling there. Don't look great, but then Wisconsin, which I think has been a buzzsaw.
1: Yeah, they have, and uh, you know, they've been dominant um, on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, Michigan State's been inconsistent. The offense has been bad some games against Arizona State. They've been better in other games. But defensively, they haven't been on point. They gave up 31 to Indiana, 34 to Ohio State last week. I I, I really like Wisconsin in this game. I think it's going to be a lot of the pressure on the quarterback. I think Michigan State's good enough to slow down Jonathan Taylor and make Jack Cohn, the quarterback, beat them. You know What's been Wisconsin's issue in recent years, when teams can kind of slow down the running game a little bit, they hadn't had the quarterback, you know, Horner is now at Florida State, to, to beat you. We'll find out a lot more about Jack Cohn this week.
2: I, I have a way for both of you to make a lot of money.
1: Please, yeah. please tell and us. That that w- so. Willie's perked up. Wow, yeah.
2: You go talk to somebody that's on the playoff committee yes. because they will pay you to take their spot because that's how hard this is going to be this year. Really? I so think Bob, so.
1: Bobby Johnson would pay Willie Donick a lot of money to take I think so.
2: Because, sm- I mean, think about it. If you if, And a lot can change between now and the end then, of the then, season. There are
1: some possibilities for some very difficult decisions yes. coming up. But... Bill Connolly, you know, former from SB Nation and now at ESPN.com, longtime contributor to Athlon Sports with his advanced ads, had a post. You should look it up. It seems that way, but it's really hard to go undefeated. Like The, the odds of all of those teams, all six of those teams going undefeated, is like 0.2%. Yeah. Right. Um, a just, lot of it will happen. sort itself out. Because, but because I, I they're going to have to play each other. Yeah. And, but, but, but
0: I do think that most years it comes down to that fourth spot and there, and three or four teams – you know, at least two or three have a stake and say, you know, we could be that fourth team. We have a good, solid argument to be that fourth team.
1: See, this year I think it's different because there, I think there are some really good teams that are going to be left out. Like last year, people always rip on Notre Dame. Well, they didn't belong. Well, you know what? Almost any team in that spot was going to get beat by Clemson. Yeah. Like there yeah. wasn't a great fourth team. This right. year I think there might be a well, great fifth team or sixth team. So I think yeah. it's gonna be that it's gonna heights. make for a great playoff, but it's also gonna make for some teams that are pretty bummed that they don't get in.
2: And right now I would say they'd probably be Georgia, LSU or Oklahoma would be one of those teams being left out. Now, obviously LSU has to play Alabama. There's there's a lot of things that have to shake out. Georgia, if they win the East, would have have to play Alabama or, or L S U in the title game.
1: Florida's in the mix, so you're like you say it's
2: gonna work itself out, but it's fascinating
1: right mm. now. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm with you. I'm definitely more intrigued by the by the playoff battle this year than I yeah. have in recent years. Mitch, thanks for coming by. It, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right. Good luck to your Yankees.
0: Right. Yes, uh, go uh, Yankees. Yeah. All right. We come back final segment, and we will make our first ticket drawing yes. of the day from Pete and Terry's Tavern for a p- pair of tickets to tonight's game against the Sharks. Stay tuned. We're coming back.